Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDAC. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by Podmachine the simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. Yeah, throughout throughout my internships, I think my key focus was really uh, around understanding how are, how are these different organizations built, how are they scaled, and how do they stay decently efficient. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustler Podcast. We finally got the guy I've been wanting to get this guy. Oh my God, <laughs> literally around a year ago. Uh, I still remember the day Franco told me that, hey, you got to talk to this guy. He's doing an amazing thing. And back then, he was just literally just raised his seed. But almost 12 months after, last time I saw you was the Christmas party of Foxmont, right? We were half buzzed, both of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. There were so many lots of good <laughs> stuff out there, right? But man, just literally eight to nine months after, you just blew it right out of the park. So without further ado, 
Let's welcome to the show King Alan Didi of Exodus. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. All right, again, finally, bro, you're here. <laughs> we've been we've been trying to get this done, and the stars aligned, and we got it in. But again, before we start anything, again, before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million dollar question, King. What's your hustle? My hustle is Expedoc, and we're building the data infrastructure of the global supply chain. So when you go to any port around the world, you know, Expedoc probably helps uh, automate the information that was used to get it there. And yeah, we work with a lot of the world's biggest logistics businesses now. That is so amazing. Again, this problem is global. So again, kudos to you. I'm just, I'm going to just... Uh, Throw you the roses early, because again, it's it's this is my biggest gripe in the Philippine ecosystem. Majority of the time, that Filipinos, would, as good as we are, as talented as we are, we only want to solve our problem the problems within our backyard. But here you guys are using AI, and again, full-blooded Filipino trying to really just you know uh, represent, but solving a global problem, and not just any global problem at that. This is what runs the world, supply chains of all the things. If this thing came to just a small inefficiency, everybody feels it. And I, and I don't know, you know, but I, I will discuss that, uh, discuss that later. But holy shit, what a problem to solve and you're doing well. But before we get married away, King, I need you to buckle up. Because, you know, it, it, we, we have a, if you have supply chains, we have time machines in this podcast. All right. Because we're going to have to ride. The Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. There you go. We're all the way in Sri Lanka. (laughs) 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 All the way back. All the way. Just kidding. But again, we want to understand before you started solving this behemoth of a problem, I want to understand first your origin story. Just again. Most founders, I consider them as superheroes. And superheroes weren't born superheroes. There is always a trigger point. There was always influences to their superpowers in the way they create companies. But for you, King, what was that like? What was what was it tech-enabled? Just growing up in a school like Savior, right? Savior, just recently I've had the Savior boys from Dash Labs. Dash Labs. doing amazing things as well. Also, but again, yeah. Savior has always had the rep in creating great entrepreneurs. But what was that like hustling early? What was your exposure to tech or at least entrepreneurship early on in your life? Yeah. So er- early on in my life, you know, it was always about buying and selling stuff. I think a lot of people in Savior just, just naturally gravitate towards that, right? Um, my, my family does like sells clothes and, uh, we do mm. some importing from Guangzhou, Shenzhen growing up. Uh, yeah, would just go there, go all the way there and, uh, learn, learn the ropes of doing the same type of thing. And were you forced into helping out early? <laughs> just like most unfortunate Chinoy people? You know, kids. Uh, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it. In fact, by the time I was, uh, I think, fifteen, I saw this salient need. Um, fifteen or fourteen, fifteen, sixteen—I don't really remember now. But 
I saw this salient need for uh for pipes. Uh pipes like PVC pipes or like pipes that you use for good stuff. <laughs> the, what what pipes are you the, talking the about? The ladder, the ladder. <laughs> oh wow. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, really solving pipes. that uh the your typical high schoolers needs, right? And so uh, <laughs> uh, importing some of that also uh, I also imported some stationery alongside that. So really you know, driven, driven based off of the needs of the customer. That's amazing. But okay, I'll just drill down on this one a little bit because again, entrepreneurship is not taught verbally, but it's taught through action and repetition a lot. But obviously, you got this from your parents and from from the family, right? But what were those indelible lessons you learned early that you still use now? Like you know, you see these opportunities and you see these these needs of the market that. Hey, and a random kid might not even recognize in plain sight, right? But what were those things that you're able to capitalize on early that, you know, like, oh, okay, early on. And you had the the gravitas to take advantage of it because most won't, right? So what were those like? Yeah, so I guess after doing that uh, import-export uh, stuff, I also worked on a, a couple of startups here and there. Uh, really mm. just trying things over and over again. Uh, a, a lot of that process, that Silicon Valley ethos, right? That That's really something we probably learn from, from stories. And yeah, I, I think while I was in high school, I was reading what uh, this was this, uh, the Lean Startup, Traction, mm, um, you know, Crossing the Chasm, uh, the hard thing right. about hard things, the usual books. Wow, you're already wa- reading the hard thing about the hard things, Ben Horowitz in high school. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I so you knew what wartime CEO was <laughs> in high school. Oh my! God. Yeah, uh, I mean a lot of uh, these stories, sort of, and even just through your community, right? Like surrounding yourself with the right people who are also uh, starting their own ventures, working on their own things. I think that's what allows you to continue to learn and and share your learnings with others. So I, I, I try my best to maintain that constantly and always just trying to yeah. build sort of that, that network, those relationships that I have where, you know, there's constant learning uh, over yeah. there. And, and, and that's absolutely true because again, as, as, as a young, you know, entrepreneur, as a young kid, what forges you into say your, the path that you take as you go along <laughs> in your career is really who your friends are and who you decide to surround yourself with, right? And me, I had to literally pluck myself out of who I was hanging out with before because if I hang out, it was totally, I would be in the ditch somewhere now, right? Totally. <laughs> and, I, and I think I attribute well, that to- What if you're listening to this podcast right now? <laughs> it's fine. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm, I'm, what I'm talking about is that that early, you really need to level up who you hang out with because it will rub off on you, right? The influences, the mindset, the hustle, everything else, right? But talk to us about that first. You, who did who you surrounded yourself with? Because entrepreneurship, regardless of where you are, still is the the path least taken. It's not the sexiest thing to do, right? But what were that? What 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 sparked that continuous fascination or thirst for knowledge or thirst for growth that you're looking for 
very very early on because very very early on because obviously that would propel you. I'll just uh, skim through the your your LinkedIn. Well, that would propel you to Stanford for college, and then you're gonna end up doing a lot of amazing shit down the road. But that has to stem from somewhere, and and the, the people that you decided to surround yourself with. I want to understand that core. For sure, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, throughout high school, I definitely uh, was fortunate enough to to build a, relationships with a lot of really really smart people in the uh, technology space, right? So, uh, for example, you know, right now I'm working with Jeff and Jig, you know, in Expedoc, and uh, yeah, both of them uh, I had a really good relationship with. Savior boys also, yeah, both Savior boys. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Then, yeah, also, uh, uh, for example, David Ong Choco. I I can do an intro to him at some point, but. He has his own fund now that's doing pretty well. And uh, yeah, I, I think he raised, uh, don't quote me on this. Uh, okay, uh, I, I don't know the exact amount. Let's just give never, a range. Never Let's mind. just say. Oh, oh definitely. Okay. <laughs> it's, in the, uh, it's in the eight figures in, in dollars. US. Yeah, wow. yeah. So uh, quite, wow. quite uh, a good, good fund uh, while he's working as an early team member in, in a startup. Uh, so... Oh yeah, God. a lot of these people I hung out with uh, throughout throughout uh, high school, and uh, even the uh, like Dash Lab CEO, for example. Uh, who, who who is the CEO? I don't even. I don't know. It, but, <laughs> I just know that they're yeah, a big ass. Yeah, group they're a big ass with Wes. <laughs> yeah, but and they're men- mentored all by Martin. That's it. The, the the adult in the room is Martin, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I I was in uh, the club that uh, Martin led as well. Uh, wow. The uh, Next Lab, if you check it out, then uh, I I met a lot of the uh, their team also there. You know, spent time I think every mm-hmm. twice a week, three times wow. a week with uh, giggers there, right? Um, Yes, yep. uh, the 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 usual, and so yeah, just surrounding yourself with that that community of people working on really exciting problems, and, and you know, for all of these people, uh, a lot of them were working on on exciting and challenging problems ever since then, and you know, you can really see that everyone just kept at it. But I I would say that's uh, around high school uh, what I was uh, more more focused on. That's that's exciting. But now let's talk about you know your next few stints because again, you did Stanford, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like now? So you've had that foundational piece, and I've seen flashes of this with again the the Dash Lab boys. Oh, oh yeah. Also the um, the the CEO of PayMongo. He also uh, he also taught for a while in in Savior, like a few sessions, and so I, I... wow. I w- attended some of his classes when I think he was still working on like Moober before, right? Wow. And so really there is quite a There's a, a lot of influence, right? That it is possible that you yeah. can actually solve problems and actually shoot for the stars. You're not just like, oh, there are just some weirdos here. Because from, from where I originate from, I was a total outcast. People thought I was fucking crazy, right? Yeah. But to be surrounded by people that, hey, you know what? Let's do it. It's possible. Then you will be invigorated by that. And if you just kept at it, eventually you're gonna 
get that done. But again, there's foundational pieces that you still need to re- build through. I want to understand the effect of Stanford towards that thirst. What did you learn in Stanford that then propelled this further after the savior experience surrounding yourself with? Because I, I can imagine now it's a bigger, bigger playing field with like-minded individuals again. But what was Stanford like? Yeah, no, Stanford was a, a pretty, pretty amazing and ridiculously great opportunity. Like, uh, I, I think, you know, if I had to sum the entire experience up in one word, I, I would say it's really humbled, you know? Wow. Uh, I, I came in sort of, you know, thinking that, hey, uh, I, I can, I'm pretty hot shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> I, I can, I can handle, let me take the hardest classes, you know? Right, right. Uh, I, 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 I'm where I need to be, and uh, I, I can do it all. Uh, and but... throughout that experience, I, I realized that, like, look, there's, I, I'm barely scratching the surface of what I'm going to be able to do and the things that I need to learn. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I was, uh, I, I was fortunate enough for, for someone to, to help sort of sponsor me in my. In my Stanford journey, I, it is a wealthy Filipino who I will not disclose in this call. But let's just thank him or her. Yeah, okay, yeah, there you yeah. Go. Thank him. Give him a little shout out because uh, because it has truly been uh, very formative for for my entrepreneurial journey, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess with my within my freshman year, I think I actively sought out one the most difficult classes that i could take and so uh, can, you, can you just describe what classes these are just so that we can you know uh, at least yeah not think in abstract what that what those sure are. There, there was like this uh so this is actually where i met rui i took this mm-hmm. uh math theory of you know computation or something like that <laughs> uh, in, in my first quarter uh coming oh, from savior math to you know this this crazy proof based math. I didn't even know what a what a proof was coming. <laughs> in. It was like a, a, a full on proof class. Uh, that, oh my god! And, and uh, I think most of the people there were like uh, either freshman year towards the end of their uh, like spring quarter ish freshman year mm-hmm. or uh, usually sophomores, right? And I came wow. there on my my first quarter freshman, and that mm-hmm. you know I happened to sit beside. Uh, Rui, who is mm-hmm. now working on Expedoc as well, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, you know, it, it was really humbling to see it all super easy for him while I was struggling day by day <laughs> asking him for help. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that that really just applied not only to my academic classes but also basically everything I did outside of school. Okay, so. Within within Stanford, I would say there's like outside of school, there's like two primary communities that were quite formative for me. Which uh, one? I, I would say it's uh, Start X and Lab Sixty Four. So what is Start X and Lab Sixty Four? Yeah, so Start X and really what I looked for when I came in was just like where are people just building cool shit, you know, like mm. really working on on problems that. Uh, excite them and mm-hmm. you know in their free time just trying to build solutions and so in Stardex I think that's uh, one of the the most formative sort of uh, 
experiences in Stanford for me. Uh, okay. I I got to join that. I think I was a a sophomore. I was working on another startup. We tried a lot of things. We tried okay. uh, college application SaaS platform. Uh, wow. We tried uh, a job board. We tried uh, we we tried a lot of things. Uh, a mobile app for for uh, internships or something for it, it was it was crazy. We tried so many things. But and this is while doing set, uh, while still correct. In yeah, while I was in under at the same time, freshman wow. year too. Uh, oh yeah, my. it was it was pretty uh, intense, and so I was uh, fortunate enough that in the program we were assigned this mentor, who who is now mm. the CEO of StartX. So StartX, what is StartX? It's basically this community wow. where. I think they have like a five percent acceptance rate within within Stanford or something like that, where they choose they choose people who are you know founding companies and they uh, essentially give you access to all of these resources, like just by being there. Uh, people give you free money, uh, like the the back the back what? gave me like ten thousand dollars I think just for banking with them, uh, even if my Total oh race at that time was like forty thousand dollars. I was like, great. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was pretty pretty crazy. But uh, and thank you for that Silicon Valley Bank. I still bank with them now, uh, so I think they get their there ROI. But I think you know what was really important from that from that experience was the were the relationships that I was able to to gain. So like with yes. with the CEO of Stardex, for example. Every other day, every other day, he was meeting with me and, you know, showing, walking me through the product, finding product market fit process. Uh, for context, right after college, he had sold his company to Apple. And yeah, what? and just imagine this guy like running classes. What's the name <laughs> of this guy? Let's make give this guy Joseph a name. Wang, yeah. Uh, he, he would run Joseph classes, Wang. teach people how to fundraise, like, um, and really, his his techniques are almost black magic. It's like you know Silicon Valley secrets, really, which were were just transformative in in terms of helping myself as a young founder run run a company. Okay, now I'm now I'm super curious because you're telling me that you just saw the holy grail, right? I'm pretty <laughs> sure you used some of that in what you've done, but. Whatever you can share here, because a lot of a lot, a lot of the listeners of Hustle Share are entrepreneurs and founders like you. But if you said you saw the holy grail or the black magic shit that Joseph was already doing, can you share some some tips or some of those things that are indelible to you that uh, you've learned very early on? Totally, yeah. I, I think you know at the end of the day, it's about empathy. It's about understanding. Putting yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah, putting yourself in the invest potential investors' shoes, even more specifically, mm. right? So a lot of the techniques I learned from him were around fundraising, and so just understanding wow. how are they incentivized, you know, financially, understanding the structure, what are the different types of funds, uh, what is their carry on different levels, what does their career path look like, and sort of making it clear to them because you have your own vision, you have your agenda that you want to push, right? Right. Uh, and, and you need the capital. And so just aligning your story 
to them is necessary. And you realize wow. that this very easily carries over, uh, not just the fundraising, but uh, across all other sort of business building exercises, right? Whether it's acquiring your first customers or uh, other things like that. I mean, I'm happy to go into greater greater detail on some level uh, uh, privately. You can hit me up on, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> PM him on LinkedIn. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Or Twitter, wherever makes sense. But wow, that's that's so powerful because at the end of the day, yes, everybody has an agenda. Yeah. Right? And that agenda, if you become useful to them with whatever you're trying to achieve as well, then it becomes symbiotic Then you achieve things together. Right, whether it's a user, whether it's a again uh, an investor, or anybody else, uh, a customer, whatever. Um, there's always an agenda, and if you can put that together, and you, you know, walk that 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 path step by step, then it becomes a fruitful partnership. All right, now before we take our first break, I want to understand. You said you you created several startups here across the board. But were they successful? What were those startups that you were doing while you're still in school? And what were the main learnings that you got from them? Uh, we'll probably have to define what, what success actually means, right? Uh, That's relative. <laughs> so for you, were they successful or, or not? So, or, or not? Or were, were they lessons learned? What were those, what were those like? Yeah, so uh, I would say almost all of them were uh, definitely a lot of lessons learned uh, with regards okay. to how to build a company, how to select the right people at different stages of the business. And yeah, yeah I mean, walking through through some of them, right? Uh, I think the other sort of thing I spent the most time on was this uh, SASTA universities, right? Uh, mm. that, that's probably the other most significant. Is this Applica? Yeah, correct. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And with, with Applica, what, the, what was the product that you guys built technically? Basically, an Applica. It's an ATS for universities. Mm, yeah. yeah. Got it. And then, wow, you said if it's a lesson learned, what were the biggest lesson learned and what was the early humbling uh, stuff that you had to learn from these things? Because again, we all think we, we got it until <laughs> startup life punches us straight in the face. Yeah, I think. You know, being willing to change your idea is always, um, you know, don't don't be too married to an an idea, a vision that you have, because uh, at the end of the day, it's it's about what what the market needs, right? Like passion is sure, passion is always there. You work on your passion, right? But what really builds passion is success at the end of the day. And if if you're so, you know, it, it could be a, a product building you know, some random solution, but uh, if it's really working and you see it solving a need for a lot of people, um, now, I, at least for me, that's what truly builds passion. That is amazing. All right, now let's start, take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about post-Stanford uh, King and how he was able to then build Expedoc and the next things that he did. But prior to that, we'll talk about that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from a break. We are still with the king, again, who told us, uh, King Alandidi, again, who told us how his amazing journey. I, I'm, I'm, we're just at a part one, and I'm already shook it. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I'm prepared to be blown away furthermore in this journey. But again, before we took our first break you mentioned that again it's just this journey is is not going to be easy and you've I've seen flashes of this but after stanford i want to understand what are the next steps because after that you intern for a bit uh for shopee and i think you also interned in into it during those stints and, and while you're actually doing startups or have done startups on the side what was the mindset like? Because a lot of interns come into inter to, to companies blank and raw, but they don't they haven't had that epiphany yet that holy shit, I want to be an entrepreneur. But you're you for you it's different. You've already tried it prior, but you have to do these internships. And that probably sets you 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 look at things differently, you have a different lens over what to take out of those internships is that a fair approach of how you guys how, how you looked at it or yeah totally yeah. Uh, i mean i i was definitely throughout my internships right uh, i i thought strategically on some level about which which roles specifically i would take and i think i wanted to really focus on the companies that would afford me a lot of flexibility to learn across departments so when i was thinking uh, about which internships to take, right? I really focused on, all right, who's gonna give me the opportunity to like just 
shadow sales for a whole day if I wanted to. Wow. Or who's going to give me the opportunity to work on any problem within the organization I want. And I think, uh, yeah, throughout the interview process, I, I was quite focused on making that clear with my potential manager right. during that time. And yeah, throughout throughout my internships, I think my key focus was really uh, around understanding how are how are these different organizations built, how are they scaled, and how do they stay decently efficient? Uh, <laughs> despite, <laughs> the, I like that. their size, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, no offense. Both of the companies I, I joined were really great, but yeah, I, I think there are definitely ways all all companies can improve, right? Absolutely, and, and it's tough. It it's a tr- there are so many books around it. Like if you check out, uh, I really like the startup way. I was reading it while I was yeah. in, in, yeah, also the sequel team. of the the lean startup, the red book. Exactly, yeah, the red one. I uh, I really liked how uh, you know while I was while I was in Shopee, you know, just really trying to see the parallels of what could have theoretically been done better, and uh, yeah, just seeing the the thought that a lot of really great thinkers have put into uh, how do you manage these large organizations once they've scaled right mm-hmm. i i think throughout now though in retrospect i do wish i joined the more medium-ish mm-hmm. uh organization right like maybe a series b-ish okay. stage i think that would have helped me on expedoc but i guess that's life well, you 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 get to figure that out yourself now. As you you're, all, you're well on your B on your way to Series B, but a couple of things also. So again, from theory and also running it, running startups on on the side while you were in school, and now you're trying to solve problems in these companies that again were were decently efficient on <laughs> on what they're trying to do. What were those learnings though that you ended up bringing home um, so that you would apply because I think and correct me if I'm wrong you never stop doing startups on the side because once that bug hits you it will never leave right and you're literally just copy pasting what applies and also iterating it for your own startup but let's talk about those learnings first before we talk about the startup that you're working on yeah so uh, I, I guess within those within those roles while I was in uh Shopee and uh Intuit, mm-hmm. right? I was well, what were my key takeaways? Uh, I guess I, I learned about I learned primarily around how people manage others and how mm-hmm. mid- middle managers are truly critical to the operation of an organization. And at that time, right, I, I I had never been in a organization which had more than two layers. So it's just me and everyone else, right? Well, I guess it's just one layer at that point, uh, one layer of of command. But yeah, with with these uh, sort of massive organizations, it was interesting to see how. OKRs are managed, for example. How how do you trickle down like 
the the overall overarching company strategy and get the you know 500 middle managers that you have wow. or however many to sort of align their own teams and their you know their managing managers as well and, and making sure that everyone is is moving towards a similar target it was an interesting experience right being in into it where uh even as an intern it, it was quite clear to me uh how my work on a day-to-day basis uh ladders up or, or rolls up to the big bets of the organization wow. and i i don't think that's something we execute well on within Expedoc. It's something I'm trying to improve on for sure. Well, but... it's not easy, <laughs> I swear. It... Yeah, yeah. It, it it was really interesting, right? And you know, we had like live live dashboards essentially where it was it was clear sort of which which KRs our managers were trying to move and which ones I'm trying to move that roll up to that target, which the, rolls oh. up to like the mm-hmm. I don't know what was it five five big bets uh, of the entire company. That's amazing. Which which again gives purpose because if all the way down to the intern, you understand that the key results that you're trying to achieve add up all the way to that objective, or again all the way to the north star or the five bets that the the founders are trying to push this to, then that puts everything in unison. But again. It's easier said than done. We all want to do the shit, but when it comes to yeah. your startup already, yeah. it takes. It's not a founder thing anymore. And you're right. What pushes the needle actually are the middle managers, because sometimes the founders are just super gung ho and just amazing at what they do, and then shit happens and shit falls through the cracks if you have the wrong middle managers that you know anything under under that or downstream or, or their one down just doesn't translate anymore now i want to understand now uh king so after shopee and into it what was next um again was there was there a bigger epiphany now that hey i want to do my next startup and what, what yeah, was yeah. the problem I mean, that that the, that you saw that you wanted to solve uh, i think also just on just on into it, right? I think one thing that uh, was interesting that I did was I actually waited in the parking lot for. Uh, so so we had the basically quarterly announcement okay. session, right? Where the the founder uh, Scott Cook and the the CEO. I think at that time it was already Sasan, yeah, uh, Sasan Budarzi, and, and basically I, I waited outside the. Uh, the parking lot and i actually got to talk to scott wow. and uh, yeah we sort of just learning about uh from him i walked with him to his car and you know basically followed him in a in a stalker like manner to to learn some of his business building experiences i guess and you know it, it was really cool i was also able to have a one-on-one with with sasan uh, the the CEO of Intuit afterwards, uh, and you know I still have notes from our conversations, and I I think it's really interesting how you know with a lot of these C levels uh, and you know really experienced business builders, they ask you like ten questions, and I feel like they could get to the bottom of 
the biggest problem in any business, even if they knew nothing about the industry or vertical yeah. you were in. Yeah. And so, yeah, to me, that, that was super yeah. inspiring. Well, how, with that experience, how did that propel mm-hmm. you to the next big bet that you took on? Right. Um, uh, what, what was that like? For sure. Yeah. Uh, so while I was mm-hmm. in my senior year uh, at Stanford, I was like, well, look, it's, it's about time. Uh, and so uh, that's when we sort of started working on Expedoc. Uh, to be fair, this was not that long ago. This was like two and a half or three years ago. What? Yeah. Uh, Expedoc's a pretty young company. Uh, it, it feels like it's been uh, 10 years. 20 years I'm done but well I wouldn't know I'm not that old either but (laughs) hey startup life accelerates your age you know just you're like a dog right you know and it's it's seven years in one year technically right Uh, of of normal human life but okay Uh, if if Expedoc (laughs) is the next thing why logistics and supply chain in global uh, well, how did you even stumble upon that problem? Because this problem exists. A lot of them are trying, but nobody's fucking figured it out. And definitely, if there are people who tried using AI, they probably didn't get that thing done pretty pretty well. But you have ninety nine percent ninety nine percent accuracy and ninety nine point ninety nine percent accuracy guaranteed. So how did you see the problem first and why AI is the solution? Right. So uh, how did we find the problem in the first place? I mean, being from a, uh, you know, a Chinese Filipino background, we do a lot of trade at the end of the day. Pretty much everyone, you know, you can just assume if they're <laughs> Chinese the Filipino. One, you know, they I, this is not do. coming from me. You're the one stereotyping. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I can okay, stereotype exactly, but that did I'm not from come group. from okay, you. Maybe we should cut that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but they basically, with um, you know, being in that environment, well, I guess in Savior, you can oh, definitely right. stereotype Savior and assume everyone is in import export okay. uh, in that school, and also Ika <laughs> uh, or their families are. And yeah, you know, it, it's just a really salient problem and. Uh, Jeff, actually, his background is he right. left school for a while uh, from Ateneo to work full time at oh. a freight forwarder. Like he he was he he was helping with freight operations, right? And so he actually had to do the manual work himself, and that's where we started talking about it, right? Where he was complaining about the problem. Uh, Jeff and I were going back and forth on it uh i told you know Rui about that that uh problem that existed and there you have it expedo wow that's amazing but how how well did you know and how uh how big the problem was because we all know that okay there's customs delays there's inefficiencies there's red tape and all the other bullshit in between Triads in some countries, but <laughs> yeah. So we we actually didn't know. We we thought maybe it was just a problem in the Philippines, right? That that was the first thing. And when we thought that, we were like, well, you know, if it's just a Philipp, it, it okay. might not be worth it to pursue, right? The market's not big enough if it's just in the Philippines. And so, 
uh, what we did was we actually went to this uh, event in uh, in Vietnam, uh, this freight forwarding event, super exclusive, wow. invite only. But uh, you know, Jeff is in the uh, freight industry, that's okay. why we were invited to that. And from there, we asked a bunch of people. You know, there were forwarders from all over the world: right. Indonesia, Singapore, uh, U.S. Uh, and what surprised us was that. Like, look, everyone Which has was. the exact same problem. It really doesn't matter. It's the the problem is that they all have all of their information in documents in siloed systems. Uh, they're not bringing it together. They're basically operating their businesses with no data visibility. Right. So that's incredible because if that problem exists everywhere in the world. And it's all siloed, all papyrus. They're using papyrus. Let's <laughs> just say you're using papyrus through, <laughs> through the since the start of times. Imagine the inefficiencies that that come with it. But there's a lot of layers to this problem, right? There's it's not just documents and all that. There's so much more inefficiencies over this. Or did you just zero in on this min- minor? digitalization first that needs to happen before everything else and how does that even impact the efficiency of you know um container container vans whatever being stuck at at, at a certain dock and whatnot what what's the impact of that to the global economy because of that uh ancient system with papyrus that they had yeah great question i mean in terms of the impact on the uh, global economy i think we were most able to see this during covid Mm. right or at least when covid was starting you know you had all of these supply chain businesses that were struggling to meet demand everyone was trying to move goods but no one was in the office right right? and if no one's in the office or you know you're operating on 10 percent of your usual workforce the goods are just not going to get moved right and so uh, and a, a concrete example of this throughout COVID is one of our customers. Uh, just the, I don't want to make this like a a, a shameless uh, logistic tech plug. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Uh, going into much detail, uh-huh. but at a high level, right? Uh, for for uh, this business we're working with, yeah. uh, I mean, we can we can name them. They're fine with it. Mm. Uh, they're a testimony. Uh, just the, so just that they do. Uh, all 100% of the logistics for Foxconn, which is huge, right? Like that's basically every, or was basically every iPhone. Yep. Uh, use their chips. Then um, they also do a bunch of logistics for Nvidia, um, Tesla. Imagine uh, that. They, you, you know, and imagine at the throughout COVID, you know, they were struggling to to sort of process all of this information efficiently enough because they had their financial data siloed from their operational data. So basically, we have this one customer, Justa, and Justa does all of the logistics for Foxconn, yep. right? And, and, you know, they also do it for Tesla and NVIDIA's graphics cards yep. uh, and some for uh, Belkin and yep. other other businesses you know pieces of tech that we use on a daily basis right and throughout covid they were having this massive problem of just 
bringing their information together okay. to be able to process uh, shipments more efficiently. And so they had to go to these customers that they had, mm-hmm. you know, our customers, customers and say, hey, I, I know there's massive demand for graphics cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's massive demand for routers, for, you know, Teslas, but, you know, we can't, we can't fulfill it. And that, that's the worst thing for a lot of these uh, logistics businesses. And that's also why uh, a lot of these costs have, have started increasing, right? right? Now, in that said, it's, it's very easy. Uh, the pitch is easy and you're coming in with the system. But I'm going to go back to, you know, um, StartX. How did you get that empathy to even put the product out there? And have them take a shot because I'm pretty sure everybody else is preaching like, "Hey, digitize their, sh- digitize your shit, blah 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 blah." How did you win the game and get those 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 accounts quickly, or was it too complex that nobody even wanted to try to so- try solving this? Yeah, so I, I think it's a bit of both, right? Where process wise, it's extremely complicated, yeah. right? And just a lot of players just promise that they do the end-to-end process, but no one's actually doing it. Wow. Uh, they they basically stop at getting data from documents. Right. And, and so that's why there's a lot of these processes that, you know, in the world, only we are able to automate end-to-end. Mm. And that is one of our core differentiators. That's amazing. Yeah. So um, they, with our team, there's a lot of ocean freight expertise. Uh, you have Jeff who was doing freight operations. Mm-hmm. Even all of the or a lot of the account executives we're bringing in now, they actually did branch management, mm-hmm. so they ran operations as well for these freight forwarders. And so when they're selling to them, they can really speak to their problem and say, like, "Hey, I was in your shoes before, but I've left, and now I'm with Expedoc because." I want to sell this solution that would have solved my own problem. Yeah. So the narrative is solid that hey, you're I'm I'm done with the old, in with the new. This is the future of our our industry here, right? But again, I'm super curious because everybody can say, sell the 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 right pitch, but with a shitty ass product, you're not gonna get that done. I now want to understand how you built the product and how did AI become all of a sudden 99.99% accuracy guaranteed, right? How, what right. were the, how, how did that product come, come to life and how complex was this to, to build? So first of all, we have an amazing engineering team, right? Okay. Uh, we have uh, Rui, who was, uh, he's been published multiple times for his research. I think he finished his undergrad in like three years, CS Stanford undergrad, wow. finished his masters as well in like half a year or something and um, he worked at andrew ing's uh stanford ml group so yeah he he did some research there and uh one of his works got published as well Uh, and so he's really been deep into the um into artificial intelligence really on the bleeding edge of what's what's possible and um, that's one major component into why our team is able to build something so great. I don't want to boil it down to just one guy, but uh, acro- across the team, uh, I can talk to each and every one of them. Uh, they they have uh, excellent sort of backgrounds in, in engineering, 
right? right. Like uh, Tim is also, you know, basically was a first first engineer at Caliber. Uh, wow. Now he's, you know, doing a lot of our infra. Uh, you have, you know, we have an engineer who actually rejected a job at NASA and joined Expedoc instead. And so uh, just a lot of really uh, great talent to make building what we have possible. And, um, and the, the product that you end up building, ended up building, how easy was it to use for the, the again, the ancient dinosaur or the Sumerian Babylonian that are using papyrus <laughs> somewhere in a, in a dock <laughs> in, in Timor-Leste or wherever that is, right? But it had to be super idiot-proof. That it's literally plug and play. How how did you make it so easy that again onboarding them, making them use it, and then getting all those files to then be digitized, powered by AI? Yeah, to- totally. I mean, uh, a big portion of the uh, so y- you asked about the ninety nine point ninety nine percent accuracy a while ago. How do we get to that with the A? Only safeguard AI. says that shit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We so we don't get to it through just AI. Okay. And we have humans in the loop in our team. Right. Like human in the loop AI that's quickly becoming a very common thing, yeah. especially in Silicon Valley. Uh there's like human in the loop for everything now. If you can't like. let it go full AI, you're gonna yeah. get gibberish. Yeah, exactly. And so we we do have humans in the loop who are freight experts. So okay. uh, shout out if any of y'all are, are listening, our, our, our beloved operators who... Um, Human make- overlords of AI that just don't make them sentient down the road. They're going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, now it makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's what they do. Uh, they double check basically all of these uh, critical critical shipments, right? Since uh, every mistake could cost tens of thousands of dollars. Absolutely, and can halt a literal economy <laughs> with can, one shipment. Yeah. Right? One, one container could uh, make a lot of problems. Exactly. Last question before we take our, our last break. Uh, um, I want to understand product market fit. Because it looks like you really figured it out very early. Was is that a fair assumption, or were there some meanders that you had to go through to figure that out? Definitely did not uh, feel like it was figured out early. Okay, uh, I think we spent an entire year. Well, not an entire year actually. Uh, I think, and yeah, an entire year pretty much. Okay, trying to get freight operators externally to so sort of like what you were saying we need to make the experience super plug and play yeah. right where they don't even need to understand the software so for the longest time we're trying to make these 50 60 year olds um learn how to use uh, no offense to the 50 to 60 year olds <laughs> listening but uh we were trying to get them to- i said worse shit i said sumerians and babylonians bro so it's all good <laughs> <laughs> yeah get, getting them to use um uh, the first version of, of expedoc right to get them to be the human in the loop essentially but we quickly realized that 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 was just impossible no one was going to use our product 
uh, or at least the onboarding would be too insane. And so uh, we've since gone with this human in the loop model. I think it took us a year to get to that conclusion. But once we got to it, it it definitely uh, improved quite a lot. And, you know, product market fit is, I mean, yes, there's a lot of those stories where people are just like, yeah, I just built it and bam, suddenly I'm making millions. Bullshit. (laughs) No, uh, but I've seen it though. Like through some of my dorm mates, I'm like, wow. you know, These you are start- Sanford dudes, though, but that's a, a, a one in a million type of chance, though. Yeah, sometimes they, even they're shocked. They're just like, I don't understand why, but uh, it, it's working, you know? <laughs> and, and so that definitely happens as well. But for us, it it, it wasn't like that. I, mm. And we're still, you know, constantly iterating, constantly improving. We do have product market fit with our, our core product, for sure. Nice. Uh, it, but... You know what I mean? It's it's something that took more than a year, many uh, a long time to get to, and okay. um, yeah. <laughs> All right, now let's take our last break, and when we come back, I now want to understand the funding side because again, if you're making such an impact this this huge to the whole global ecosystem uh, through supply chain, then dude, the sky is literally the, the the limit. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey, hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with GCash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag Uno Ready Savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag Uno Earn or hashtag Uno Boost Time Deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag Uno Earn and flexible tenors with hashtag UNOBoost. 
Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with King LMDD of Expedoc, who just blew our minds further uh, in terms of what they have been able to do and how they've been able to get this done. But again, it still sounds simple, but it's not, right? But through that one year that you said you've been trying to figure out what that product and how easy it is for, for users to use, how did you guys stay afloat? Where was this bootstrap? Would you have prior funding? And how did you? Because again, most startups they don't have that luxury of a runway to iterate to figure out what that looks like. And sometimes along the way, founders quit too early, or they just don't want to iterate anymore. They keep pushing what's out there and it's not working, and then eventually run out of runway, right? But you guys had enough runway to be able to you know iterate for a year by find out what that product would be like and you know uh have have that that cushion but how did you afford to have that cushion to to to, to live and see that success come through so upon the start of the company we raised the $40,000 i think and then we got that wow. extra like an extra 10k from a silicon valley bank silicon valley bank giving away money yeah giving away money to uh, founders they want to bet on Amazing. and yeah that it it was a safe 
right? It was all on an untapped safe. And so we were quite fortunate with the terms. And nice. uh, we used that $50,000 to uh, not on ourselves, but to um, employ other people. Got it. Uh, AWS also gave us like 100K in credits or something yes, like that. Yes, always useful in the first couple of years, right? Because you don't that 100K know. comes in clutch, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. People are like, holy shit, this is not much. But dude... That can last, and that usually that has a validity for two years. Yeah, yeah. We it's don't like have free, to pay freaking hosting. That's a freaking boon. That will literally, if you use it well, that can literally propel your startup off the ground. But let's talk. I mean, we've mm-hmm. only recently started paying for servers, actually. But now that now it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's starting to get expensive, but right. Uh, yeah, yeah. In terms of you know, how did we stay afloat? Mm-hmm. I mean. I didn't take any salary for the first year and a half, and wow. so uh, I was in this. Uh, I was in this really ramen crummy- mode. <laughs> yeah, I, I was eating uh, eggs, eggs and rice. There you go, uh, <laughs> and, and chicken breast all the time. There I felt go. like I was a uh, a gym bro without uh, without the mask. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was living in this really crummy apartment in uh, in Daly City. It's all, all right. right. There's a lot of Pinoys there. Just snuck on one door. <laughs> Tita, do you have ulam? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was... Uh, my rent was super cheap though because I was in this garage basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, spent it, it was like 400 bucks a month. The room had no windows. Right. And it was... Uh, how small was it? I, I could walk from end to end in like five steps, Holy right? Crap. <laughs> It, it, it was it was a tiny place, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was also COVID. I would just get off of my bed and, you know, plop one step to my uh, my desk and uh, work work from there. Right now, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Now, again, this is where the metal of a startup founder really comes forward, because again, this is where people always say that you know, ninety percent of startups fail. But we're not even counting that part of those people that made didn't make it to call their 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 project a startup because they just give up that oh my god it's so hard right I don't I don't even want to do this anymore I didn't sign up for this especially if they're coming from a place of comfort right was there flashes of doubt. Um, during those dark times, or holy shit, I'm living in this little pigeonhole. Every all of my friends are having a, 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 an amazing life. What am I doing? What, what what was going through your head during those those times, and how did you push through? Yeah, I, I mean, in in terms of like alternative upside, right? Like uh, at this point, I I still haven't exceeded what I would have gotten for sure if I had worked that. At big tech directly, I mean, they have like six-figure signing bonuses for for us and uh, pretty pretty good, you know, base right. base comps. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially if you you know have worked on a startup and mm-hmm. you know you're applying. And basically, uh, from my job offers that I had on hand, definitely still have not exceeded that upside. But right. uh, it's it's really about you know, being excited about solving this really huge problem. Mm. And I think that's that's just what keeps you going. As long as you're you're excited about 
building your your business, building uh, a solution that people love, mm-hmm. uh, it's that there is going to be uh, not many doubts. Right. Since, you know, you you would just think that, hey, if I had taken that big tech job with much higher comp, I'd probably be thinking, what if I worked on a startup instead? Yeah. Yeah. So there's really not much of an alternative on some level. But still, it took a lot of balls because a lot of people will bite that, right? But again, that's probably the faith that you've already driven because you've tasted what it was like as a founder prior in StartX and whatnot. And, you know, the. It, you're already here. Why the hell not? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's what you said. Right? <laughs> yeah, and you're young, right? You have nothing to lose, and you still have the, the rest of the your life ahead of you. But, dude, for sure, there was a dark moment. Do you still remember the, that dark moment? If describe to me what that dark, what those dark moments were, and how did you pull through? Because it's never a straight line. Startup life is. You're either ecstatic or you're freaking borderline depressed and you just want to fucking, you're, you ask yourself, what the fuck am I doing in my life? Well, let's talk about those dark moments. So how did you pull through and what did you learn from those? For sure. I think it's really about relying on, on your team and having some trust on your team. And yep. there, there are definitely a lot of those moments where you feel like, oh, uh, you know, shit's really fucked up and... <laughs> There's just no way uh, the company is going to recover from it. But as yep. long as you're bringing in the right people, uh, being transparent with others and really yourself, right? Then probably everything can be resolved with enough enough effort and willpower. Absolutely. And again, that's the beauty of having a team. Because for, for my first two startups... Technically, a solo founder, and when those dark moments hit, it's so hard to pull yourself out. You have to really have a lot of willpower to get out. And now it's the first time in, in Podcast Network Asia. Now it's the first time I'm actually having real co-founders, and it's such a different experience because back then you would have to really rally yourself out of that, and you're down in the dumps. But here, it's shared suffering. <laughs> So I was like, "Oh, we're all we're all, we're all fucked up, but okay, we're gonna be all right. You're still in this, okay? Let's go. As long as you're in this, we'll suffer together, and let's see how long we how 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 far we can go. And that's such a different thing when you have a solid solid co-founding team uh, that really uh, pulled through. Now let's talk about the upside. You said it's all about the upside, right? So from forty grand, again, the first time I heard about you and met you." you literally just raise your seed. Right. And you won't raise your seed if you didn't get product market fit or at least problem solution fit early. Walk us through that and how did you got get your seed? Because now you're going to use your black magic stuff that you've learned in StartX that you can learn for fundraising. How did that happen? Right. So uh, I it's been so long ago that I feel like the uh, where the business was at, it, it all sort of blurs together on some level, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> but I guess, you know, when we raised that initial 40K, we had literally nothing but a prototype that we hacked in our, our dorm rooms, right? 
Then I think after that, what happened? We we got some of Jeff's friends, the you know family friends, to basically use it. Like we basically forced them to use it almost. Uh-huh. And uh, we also did some networking, just cold outreach, uh, connect with some some you know companies and basically get them to give our solution a shot. And that was the okay. time when we were still forcing people to use the uh you use the soft be the human in the loop themselves, right? Right. And, right. and at that point, how much revenue did we even have? Uh, we had basically no revenue. I think we had like <laughs> like twenty thousand dollars annualized, right? So we we had ARR, yeah, ARR. Wow. So we had two thousand. Did he have to? No, not even. We had like a thousand dollars a month or something. Uh, and wow. so I was like, you know what? We're running out of money. I, you know, I just gotta. If, if I don't raise it, I think we're fucked. And this was March 2020. Okay. okay, now I'm starting to remember it. This was, okay. Feb, this was Feb 2020, <laughs> right? Uh, right? And we basically had no revenue almost. We we were basically screwed. And uh, yeah. no, nothing was working. Uh, people weren't using the product. But I, I think, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to get convince a lot of people i guess or a couple of funds to to believe in me and so uh feb feb 2020 started raising the fundraising uh do, running the fundraising process also right. that's that's one thing i think a lot of like founders who just started fundraising don't run a process you really have to run a process uh, yep. you, you definitely know this already but uh some listeners who are you know just talking like don't just talk like you're either running a process or you're not but mm-hmm. tldr there is i was able to get the uh co-founder of tencent to actually yep. cut us a check right through personal wow. fund i i think i was trying to pitch in uh mandarin too that was that was insane ah, my chinese teachers wow. will be proud of me uh, but, <laughs> savior. Yeah, I, I don't think they understood me though. Uh, but at, no, but you tried. Yeah, you got the check at, at the end of the day, on the spot, they they wrote a check right for for two fifty k. Yeah, two fifty k. Two fifty. Yeah. Oh my and god. From that, I rallied the round, and basically, I think I had offers. If you add it all up, we had like $4 million in offers. This was pre-seed. We had nothing, right? Right. Uh, It it was truly just me pointing to where the company could be one day, hypothetically, right? But that's not an accident, King. What was the clincher? Because again, this is where storytelling comes in, but also backed up with a good product, a great team, and also a right TAM. What was the clincher when there was pre-revenue or if there was revenue, it wasn't enough, $1,000 MRR. Basically, right? And in no SaaS, product, right? <laughs> exactly, right? How did you even rally that vision behind and get a sizable round pre-seed? What were those things you were saying there? Yeah, so I, I think it's really about, what was I saying? 
in Mandarin this whole time? <laughs> or just intense for intense? <laughs> right. So I was fundraising the pre-seed. What was I doing? Basically, we had no product. We had no how many people? We were three three people. Uh and we had nothing essentially. Actually, no, during the seed, we had more people already. Okay. No, yeah, we, we had more team members. Oh no, no, pre-seed. Pre-seed actually we really we were like four or five people, maybe. Okay. Yeah. And it was really just focusing on look at this massive opportunity and this tiny bet that you need to make. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's really working backwards, I think. Uh thinking about look, uh these pre-seed funds, they just need markups so that they can raise their next fund, right? right? And, and so showing them, how are we going to, you know, go from eventually showing them like, look, high level, we're going to be able to IPO, but really focusing on, you know, getting them to think, look, this company is definitely going to get to a series A or a seed at the very least. Mm. And at that point, you know, pre-seed is sort of just gut feel based on the founders yeah. spray and pray on some level right. or, or hope that that these these startups do well, right? And, and so just convincing them that, look, it's cheap. It's uh, a massive opportunity. And, you know, the likelihood is not that low that right. we're going to win because we have the right team. And so really just focusing around that was what allowed us to to raise the fund it's it's the the pre-seed is really about you you know the the ceo on some level standing on a mountain and saying like look above once you get up to this mountain and you see the view it's gonna be insane but you know you you have to put the money in to go up the mountain right uh, and so that, that it's it's really just a leap of faith that you need to get people to to get you love and that so, analogy Right, so you yeah. see that horizon right there? That's where we're trying to go, but I need a boat. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Before I get to to there, but that's amazing. And if you just sum it all up, I mean, there's usually three T's, right? Team, time, traction. At precede, it's team and time, because the traction will come in yeah. later uh, as as you go. Now, let's talk about seed, right? Because now you gotta you gotta back it up. It's like, oh, all right, we're <laughs> we're going to that shit, but we gotta back up what you said. What was the hard part? Was it straight line drive at that point, or were there adjustments that you had to to do with the product? Right. So to get to the seed, four months before the seed, we switched to the human in the loop, mm-hmm. and from the human in the loop, you could see the uptick was quite strong. And so when you feel that momentum going. You just need to be able to pull the trigger and like run the process. Correct. And that that's what we did. And essentially painting the picture like, look, uh, this is this has good signs of working now. Come in now or, you know, in the future, someone else will already be on the boat. You can't get as big of a stake in Sorry. the company. And in, in SaaS, again, so I'm, I'm currently running a similar thing, but it's nothing compared to your check sizes for sure, right? Because you're talking about enterprise logistics uh, type of shit. Imagine the type of check sizes you're getting on a per client basis. But SaaS is the easiest to predict in terms of scale, 
Because at the end of the day, once you close them and it becomes monthly recurring revenue, you can, as long as they don't churn, you're going to be all right. Right? Yeah. And returns are uh, basically zero. Exactly. So you just keep adding that up and that multiple just keeps doubling down and doubling, doubling, doubling and doubling down. But whatever you can share, what metrics were this like? And, and what is an average check size even of a product subscription for an Xbox like? For say a port or a company in logistics to to come in, so we only sell the freight forwarders okay. and I guess uh, some really just freight forwarders. Uh, some select companies across the supply chain too, but okay. um, yeah, it's it's digits. You can say just digits. Are we talking about yeah, in couple ten thousand dollars upper, close nearing hundred k. Holy uh, shit. In USD, our, uh, per yeah, client. USD yeah. Now I understand the fucking valuations. <laughs> Dude, people freaking kill to have that type of the that bite size in in our in, in say smaller volumes with with, with if they're B to C. Here you are, you acquire one client that's already almost a hundred. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. one client, play, play golf, the, the magic play number. Golf with one customer, and there you have exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> the magic number in SaaS is one MARR. That's when you validate your model. Imagine one client, you're almost one MARR already because your MRR is almost 100,000. Right? That's fucking crazy. <laughs> oh, no, no. Sorry. Our ARR is almost 100,000. It's, it's not a. It's not a our ARR is almost 100. The numbers I gave were ARR, not MRR. So at that point, 100,000 ARR, this is seed. Yeah. Uh, no, now this is Series A already. You can raise an A on a, on a couple customers that are paying almost 100K each. No, oh, but 100K each. Per year. Per Ah, on a per year. But again, it also depends on the vertical. Because it can, it, it, that's the name of the game, right? It, you can't be saying that, hey, this is, uh, this is, say, a saturated low multiple um, vertical versus, again, uh, like what, what you guys are trying to solve. That's amazing. And again, there's a high likelihood of an exit also on that one. But so from A to, uh, from, from seed to A, what triggered that? Seed to A? Yes. Um, Which you just raised like, a couple of weeks ago. Right, congratulations by the way, 17.5 million dollars. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, maybe it's gonna be more now, actually. Oh, wow, we, okay, you just heard yeah. that first. Yeah. <laughs> you heard that first, no one else knows. Just uh, us literally, from a share. few hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but how did this happen? Because you said, okay, ARR is, I say, 100 grand from several things, but the impact of that. You wouldn't get to this level of a raise if it wasn't that impactful. Yeah, so I, I think one of the key metrics that uh, really drove drove sort of investor interest was net revenue retention. So our month fourteen net revenue retentions at around one thousand percent. What? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty ridiculous. A lot of upselling uh, that that goes on, and so. You can even if our raw ARR is low, they sort of just look like wow. It's just because all these contracts are just starting now. Um, you know, in eight months, 
these they have zero churn all of these yep. customers will be worth like 100k each and now you're at a couple of millions you know got it that's 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 incredible now it makes a lot of sense because again in SaaS, these metrics apply to all <laughs> the, the only difference is what are you getting people to subscribe on but net revenue retention is basically how sticky is your product correct correct right so in that said now how did you expand the team with all these resources now and how big are you gonna go at it uh, especially at a worldwide scale right so we're recruiting across the board right now if there's any listeners uh, definitely check out expedoc.com slash careers uh we uh we're allocating quite a lot of it to engineering so and product right so expanding the main reason with that is we want to expand our contract values with all the customers so really going going hard and deep on our um, upsell land and expand strategy mm-hmm. to get our acvs higher than they already are wow then on the other front a lot of this money is going into distribution mm-hmm. So we just hired another five account executives to ramp up distribution. We're spending quite a bit on bringing these people to events. Uh, we're onboarding value add resellers. So really, two two areas where we're allocating capital. It's increasing ACV through improving the product and um, distribution. Got it. Both through upsells and acquisition. That is impressive. And again, dude, this is so amazing. But I'll just ask you several questions because again, this is not this is not the bookend. We're just literally, I'm pretty sure we're gonna have you again down the road, especially as you get more, <laughs> more, more customers. But one thing that's really impressed me of your journey, King, is how thirsty you are for new knowledge. What's your methodology? to always learn new things. Because at high school, you're freaking reading the hard thing about hard things, zero to one, the lean startup, where most kids were probably happy uh, being Naruto fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> that That's something that you probably have mastered because it's a skill that if you really learn how to learn fast and how to learn useful skills, you can do whatever the fuck you want in your life. What's your method in doing that? My method for learning. Yes. That's a pretty tough question. No, but is there is primarily learn by doing, I guess. I mean, throughout all of and being with other people who are doing the same. I sort of throughout my past few years of, of my life, I guess. Mm. I, I've always uh, tried my best to be part of those communities, right? Through um, when I was at Xavier, but also you know at Stanford, through Next Lab, uh, through through Next Lab in Xavier, through Stardex in Stanford, yep. through Lab sixty four at at Stanford as well, where people where people were literally building whatever they wanted, mm-hmm. you know, with with the school's money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sort of just being in that environment allows you to learn the fastest, and yeah, uh, it's it's really about trying to trying to solve a problem that allows you to 
learn the fastest. And so I, I would say that that's typically what I do, where, you know, always, always just trying to build stuff and solve problems to improve how much I know. That is so amazing. Again, thank you very much. King for such an amazing episode. But before I let you go, what's next for you guys again in in uh, Xvidoc? And invite people over if they want to work with you. Some some random freight forwarder is working to hear and listening to this episode. <laughs> and he said, "Oh my God, I want to try these guys out." Where do they go, and how do they do that? Yeah, Ron sir. I mean, uh, for anyone who is interested in joining Xvidoc, uh, and you have any questions, you can hit me up, King at Xvidoc.com. I, I've also started a social media presence through uh, peer pressure from <laughs> other uh, founders. And, and so my Twitter is uh, Kings200IQ. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> then you also have, uh, yeah, you can just shoot me an email also, uh, king at xbrock.com. Or, uh, yeah, if, if you want to use our product, uh, there's a contact us, or you can email me too that is amazing but before i let you go follow us on whatever podcast app that you're listening to whether it's spotify app podcast or any type of podcast app and again if you did say some jargon which i think we did it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com and lastly if you want to be part of the community of hustleshare listeners it's going to be in the hustleshare community on facebook again king thank you very much thanks ron sir all right <laughs> and i'll see you guys in the next episode peace 